Hey everyone, this is Dr. Karen Bartuch, and you are listening to the Victorization Podcast. You will hear from breakthrough, badass women, and the occasional brave man doing big things in their business. This includes entrepreneurs, executives, comedians, corporate hippies, and more. They'll share their expertise and journeys to the top of their game so you'll learn a little something and be inspired. And of course, you'll hear from me. I served as a Chicago cop for 10 years and then worked my way up to the C-suite in business. I'm also a business professor and researcher. I love setting people in human behavior. I've spent a lot of time training myself and others on mindset and how to be mentally and physically ready because the bad guy is looking for a victim, not an opponent. The goal of this podcast is to arm you with knowledge and inspiration you need to be a worthy opponent and be victorious. Welcome to Victorization. Thanks for listening and please subscribe. Thanks so much for being here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know a little bit about your journey, Jen, but I'd love to hear kind of where you're at today. And then we'll go and dig into some of the details on where you got where you're at today. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you for the opportunity. Yeah. So, yeah. So you're here at uh, Morton Salt's headquarters uh, because I'm the vice president of operations for Ama- the Americas. Amazing. And you have yeah. how many people in your... Yeah, so about 27, 2,700 people in North and South America. So Canada, U.S., Brazil, Peru, Chile, okay, um, and all the operations facilities. So there's about 27. Wow, that's amazing. So I definitely yeah. want to dig into what you do today, but I also like to go back and hear, even from college, where how you your career path started and you know where you started off, in your, sure. even at college level. Yeah, sure. So I went to school in a state college in Bowling Green State University in uh, Bowling Green, Ohio, and I actually initially went in to be a meteorologist. I don't know why. <laughs> Amazing. I, I thought I'd like love to TV, be on camera. Yeah. <laughs> right. um, and, and quickly, uh, year two decided, eh, too much science, not for me. Really? What I really loved was planning. Okay. Um, and so my professor kind of guided me towards the supply chain management program. And with that, you can easily get a dual degree in procurement if you go an okay. extra semester. So that's what I did. I graduated with both. Um, and it and was, so the professor had a big impact because the supply chain and procurement, I'm not sure, college age, I even know what those words mean. Exactly. <laughs> and I didn't know what they were. And but you was, knew you liked planning. Yeah, yeah. And it was a new program for them. So really the professor was kind and the counselor to talk to me about what are your likes and dislikes. Yeah. Like what are the things you're liking about the current uh program you're on for meteorology, what are the things you don't like? And through that process... How nice is that, by the way? Oh, and it I, was terrific. And yeah. it's, you know, you and I are both mentors, and that's really the gift you can give people yeah. is to focus on when people are confused about what path should I take, um, whether it's the initial step or an ongoing step with their path. I think so much about it is reflection on what you really enjoy and the passions, as yeah. you and I have talked about before. Yeah. And I, do you think that's because yeah. it was a smaller school that... That yeah, was I think it is. And I think I was a little lost. And fortunately, I reached out for help. You know, yeah. I just thought, I don't, you know, I'm a kid. I don't know how to do that. I still don't know. I'm going to be an astronaut <laughs> in five years right. or something with puppies. So right. I don't know what I'm going to do. Right. And I was raised by psychologists. So while they're great listeners, yeah. they're not necessarily career counselors. So <laughs> uh, they advised me to seek advice from professional people that oh know what they're gosh, talking yeah. about. So I'm grateful that I did. Right. Yeah, and yeah. so, yeah, because supply chain management back then in the day, this was new. And yeah. so, um, yes, yeah, so as I got into it, I loved it. I love to organize 
to plan. I like math a lot. Um, and I didn't realize it at the time, but in retrospect, I love managing people. Okay. And really supply chain management, which is similar to operations. I mean, ultimately that's what it affords you is the opportunity to lead teams. So, so it's been fun. So I did that, um, took a quick intermission from college and did a co-op on the procurement side of things and hated it. <laughs> it just wasn't for me. And it I was that's a, okay. That's a data point. Totally, and, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, here's what I don't like. There's too much bureaucracy, too much red tape, pushing paper. Yeah. It just didn't work for me. And so it was great. I was able to rule out that career path. And so yeah. graduated, took a job with Frito-Lay in operations, um, and ran the third shift uh, Lays and Ruffles packaging lines. <laughs> <laughs> so third shift, that's afternoons? or That's evenings. Okay, yeah. So it Police midnight department, it's midnight. Yeah, third shift. Yeah, yeah. They probably just call it yeah, something yeah, different. Yeah. So did that. In, so uh, midnight to seven, you're 20-something. Yeah. Working midnights. Yep, yep. In and, a like, tiny factory? little Amish town in Worcester, Ohio, in okay. a factory. And led, um, it was a very, uh, like I said, an Amish neighborhood. So yeah. There were, I think, four people that were deaf on okay. uh, my team. So I went to school during the day and learned sign language just that's to amazing. get the basics so yeah. I could communicate you know, yeah. with them. And, that's did, really, and did they appreciate that? They did. They yeah. did. And yeah. I'm guessing not many people did that before. Yeah, I don't think anybody else yeah. had done that yeah. before. And um, yeah, if nothing else, I think it was a nice gesture and an attempt Right. Yeah. To open the doors of communication. And no, I do think um, we had a real fondness for each other in part because of that. Yeah. So, so that was really where I started to cut my teeth on managing people. And the first lesson that I learned about needing to earn respect rather than feeling like you deserve respect. Yeah. And yeah. So some of it is putting yourself out there, sign language being the example here into um, part of the world that I wasn't familiar with or had experience in and in order to kind of meet them where they were. Yeah. And that takes time. Yeah. The earning Absolutely. respect part. It takes a lot of time, a lot of hard work yeah. and vulnerability, really yeah. just putting yourself in situations and admitting that you don't have all the answers and being cool with that. Like yeah. being cool that a really big part of your job as a leader is to be a learner. Yeah. I love that. Because I think a lot of people think they get the title and that's it. And, yeah. you know, if they've been anointed and now everybody's going to listen and then right. you get in the role and nobody, you know, that's right. not how it works. <laughs> yeah. No, no, it's really not. So, yeah. Yeah. So that was fun. So I did that for a little bit of time. Uh, enjoyed that a lot. And then from there moved uh, my career to Levi Strauss, the denim people. Okay. Where and I how do you go from Funyuns? <laughs> I, I don't know if they make Funyuns, Frito-Lay, but Doritos. Doritos, Doritos okay. Yeah. Doritos to <laughs> jeans. <laughs> yeah. So I actually ended up moving um, to get married. So okay. Um, my then husband lived in Cincinnati. I was closer to the Cleveland area. <clears throat> so um, this was at the time Frito was being bought out by PepsiCo. Okay. And so I took a voluntary layoff package with them. Another kind of humbling moment. Yeah. Like for yeah. me to give up a job was something I wasn't really raised to do. Yeah. Um, but Plus that was your first kind of career out of college. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I'm going to take a package. Yeah. <laughs> 20 right. something, right? <laughs> right? Right. So I did. And I took the opportunity to move to Cincinnati. And I had six weeks severance pay. And I remember hitting the street uh, in a suit, like this is back in the old days, yeah, right? right? Looking at newspaper ads, doors. yeah. Right, right. <laughs> and in the sixth week, I got a job as a supervisor for Levi Strauss in one of the distribution centers. Okay. And, um, you know, over the course of time with them, I was there almost 20 years. Loved wow. it. Huge fan of the brand today. Yeah. Um, They're kind of cool because they have like nostalgia and now they've come back. And totally. Brand yeah, authenticity. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And just, they have such a loyalty and such a following. And I think they've really... Um, they've they've kept denim cool. Right? Yeah. Um. So it's been great. My but daughter goes to thrift stores. By the way, she's thirteen and tries oh, to find 
yeah. Levi's and probably dad jeans, as she calls them. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They call them the boyfriend jeans. Yes, there cooler, you go. Yes. But yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, same thing. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So I worked my way up through the ranks with them um, in the distribution center there. It was in northern Kentucky, across the river from Cincinnati, and you know held a variety of jobs. Um, but I remember taking some risks. Yeah. I mean, again, I was pretty young, and I was a female in. There was a large female workforce because they were literally picking waist and inseam jeans and packing them for stores for Macy's and JCPenney's. Wow. And, it and was, that's the operation that you're managing. Yeah. 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 Okay. And, and were your uh, friends like, what, what is it again that you did? <laughs> yeah, or really? My friends were. And it was also still just the management ranks was very much a, a male dominant. Oh, dominated I'm sure. World. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a union environment, hardcore, oh, gosh. 24 by 7 operation, 1,100 people in this um, distribution center. And uh, I remember eventually taking a job maybe three years in where I was the night shift manager. And so, like, I was the senior person on the night shift. Yeah. I must have been 24 years old. Wow. <clears throat> and, um, and it was cool because, you, granted, your leaders are only a phone call away, but it's, it's midnight. They don't want a phone call from you. So it really put me in a position where I had to kind of think on my feet, yeah. take some risks, Makes uh, make some mistakes, quite yeah, frankly, sure. and learn through the school of hard knocks. But um, did that and eventually worked my way to lead the distribution center, the 1,100 folks operation, and loved that and eventually took on two more. So I had three of the four DCs for the company um, and then moved on to corporate and took on a whole new set of challenges. Yeah, I'm sure. And so aside <laughs> from being a female, you're also very young. And so... How do you think you were able to be positioned as a leader for those really big roles? Yeah, well, um, you know, I, honestly, I don't know that I was positioned for it, <laughs> but I took a chance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I had plenty. You're of, like, no one wants to work third shift, so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I think there were more people that um, honestly did not want to see me succeed. It was kind of an old boys club. And yeah. there were some, some ladies in the ranks, too, that also just, I was a kid to them. You know, I was probably yeah. the age of their children. And you look time. very young, I mean, even now, so yeah, I could only imagine. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, I looked like a kid. And um you know, but again, like back to the earlier conversation, it's really about putting the work in yeah. and earning their respect. I remember, and it was a union shop, so you had to be a little careful. You can't go there and work side by side with them without getting a grievance and all this kind yeah. of stuff, right? So, yeah. But I remember sitting down after I tried to do that and got a grievance filed against me and sitting down with the union president and said, hey, listen, I just, I need to try to do what you do for a period of time so that I can think like you think and yeah. understand what your challenges are. So they gave me a pass for a week where I could work any union job I wanted next wow. to union folks. So and did they do that typically or was this an I don't exception? think anybody had okay. ever asked, yeah. honestly. Um, Amazing what happens when you open the lines of communications. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I loaded a truck. I loaded it high and tight, as they say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard that before, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, you know, loaded a truck on my own. I got my fork truck license. Oh, my God. Uh, which I didn't use after that week. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. really, my mission was to try to, you know, kind of spend a day in the life in their shoes and earn their respect by showing that, not that I wanted to outdo them, yeah, but that I was willing to do the work. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and so it worked out. Oh. <laughs> so it worked out, and uh, I definitely won the respect, I think, of a lot of people. On both sides, the union that. and Absolutely. your team. Yeah. Absolutely. I think for some of the management team, my peers that were more naysayers, it took time, quite frankly. Yeah. And there's a couple that I don't think I ever won over. And but that's fine. Yeah, kind of yeah. who cares? Yeah, yeah, right. They're not your people. They're not your <laughs> yeah, tribe. We got along. <laughs> yeah, I don't need to be best friends with everybody. You know? Yeah. So we were able to work together. 
Um, you know, but I, I think there comes a point where you, you say, you know, listen, I'm trying to get 90, 95% of the folks in my court, and then there's one or two that you can't, and you just say, okay, well, how are we going to work together otherwise? I actually think that's a really genius way to think about it, because I think a lot of people spend too much time on the one or two people. Yeah. You just kind of got to mentally move on at some point. Absolutely, yeah. and, and you shortchange everybody else, right? Yeah, because you're, you're focusing trying. on yeah. the two, yeah. Yeah, so just be authentic to who you are. If you're being a good person, you're being good to people, you're doing the right thing, good, yeah. Yeah, then move on and, yeah. and try, you know, you need, I, and that is, I'd say, one of the things I learned early on is you you get thick skin. I even say today, I, I can shed my skin every seven days like a snake. I, need to. <laughs> I have a snake pin on, by the way, everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do, that's right. Um, because, I, I mean, you just, if, if this is no popularity contest, right? Yeah. And again, I'm going to do the right thing. I'm not looking to be a jerk. Right. Um, but I'm also just, this isn't, I'm not building a fan club. That's not really the goal. Yeah, I, I absolutely love that. And I love this for even young girls because I think they yeah. do worry, especially with social media, so much about who's wearing what and what does that person think about me. And that is something I try to instill in my daughter. Like, don't yeah. worry about the opinions of others. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah, you can't get too hung up on the praise because then you're going to get too hung up on the criticism as well. I agree. And, I mean, it's a fine line to be confident but not arrogant. Yeah. And so I do think um, as a young woman, as someone new in their career, especially when you're leading people, finding the balance where you're striking the right level of empathy, and it's got to be legitimate and sincere, <clears throat> with at the same time confidence and kind of knowing um, who your audience is yeah. and striking the right balance is a tricky thing. Um, but I think once you figure it out, it really dials up your ability to lead people because people are willing to follow someone that they trust and respect. Yeah, and I think the story about you going and talking to the union is knowing your audience. They have different goals in mind than probably yeah. Levi's did. And so mm -hmm. kind of got to understand both sides of the aisle. Yeah, 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 exactly. Another thing I did that I think was um, the first time someone had done it um, that I think worked for me to build respect, at least at the ground level, was um, when I was the leader of this facility, <clears throat> I would take one department every morning, and I'd have one hour carved out the very first hour of my day from 7 to 8 o'clock in the morning. And I would literally talk to every single person in that department. Um, throughout the course of the week, I got to everybody because I hit one department every day. And then the night shift came in, which was 2.30. Uh, when I was the plant manager, I'd do the same thing with them. So even <coughs> your managers and then their team yeah. and down to individual contributors. And yeah. And I would go, yeah, all the way. And most of the folks um, at this plant were kind of tied to a line. They were standing at a packing station. So sure. I was able to catch them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, it became... It, commonplace, right? And and what I, I again, I wanted to do it because I wanted an opportunity to connect with people, yeah, and to really kind of understand a bit offline what's motivating them, what's frustrating them, um, what's the water cooler talk, what are yeah. the things that people don't understand that I can bring clarity to, likely in larger group settings, then to kind of set the record straight. Sure, what's because if one person's thinking it. There's right, probably five right. more, yeah. What's the pulse with the union? Like, just it just helped me to understand kind of the fabric of everything that was going on in the plant. And um, there were some people, back to my earlier point, that didn't want me to talk to them. Like, out of 100 people, there were maybe four that <sighs> literally, like, they could see me coming. Like, why is she here? What is she? Yeah. <laughs> and they would give me one-word answers. They wouldn't make eye contact. You know, sure. and again, it was just a couple people. But... I, and I said to them, I said, so, you know, I could tell you're not happy that I'm here. You don't want to talk. And they said, no, I don't. I said, okay, well, I respect that. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to continue to stop by in mm -hmm. case you ever change your mind. I don't want you to think that your opinion doesn't matter to me because it does, but I respect the fact 
that, that you don't have anything that you want to share. Yeah. So again, back to the earlier point, I think, you know, you can always try to win people over, but there comes a point where you just kind of say, not everybody's going to be interested in yeah. having a, a relationship. Yeah. And do you think that was a reflection of previous leadership that they had that maybe they didn't trust it or? I, th- I don't know if it was that. Yeah, I think so. Just not trusting management yeah. or feeling like they, um, you know, they were very pro-union and they didn't want to oh, come across as pro-company or, you know, I'm not... I'm not really sure yeah. exactly. Um, or there was one case where someone had lost a grievance with me. and Okay. Um, so they were a bit bitter, I think, about that. Yeah. Um, so I actually have experience with the union coming from the Chicago Police Department. Oh, I've had Yeah, yeah. And so obviously we're forced to be a part of the union. And to be honest, they never really did much for me in my career <laughs> other than I had to pay dues. So I totally get it. Yeah. But as far as, you know, motivating people in those mm-hmm. roles that are doing maybe road tasks every single yeah. day. I mean, how do you keep people excited and engaged and wanting to come to work every day? Yeah, you know, I think you figure out what makes them tick. And not yeah. every, not everybody is motivated by the same things. Yeah. But um, I, I think you try to find ways to celebrate successes. And that sounds so cliche, but it's important. And it yeah. doesn't need to be a big celebration. But not everybody likes public recognition. Right. But, you know, like, so I do think stopping by the workstations and talking to people and learning about their kids, asking about their families, simple little things made work more pleasant for some people because yeah. they know that I care. And and actually, if I look at my Facebook friends mm-hmm. today, I'm never yeah. friends with people that I actively work with. It's just kind of a rule that I have. Yeah. But I am friends with past employees, employers. And so probably over 100 people um, from Levi's or friends of mine on Facebook and Many of them are, uh, and now they're, these people are 30 years older than me, so yeah. 80, 85 years wow. old that um, used to be a part of the facility that I led. And, That's um, so cool, yeah. Yeah, so we, are, we really are friends. It, yeah. It's more than just being employees. And you build a sense of community versus yeah. coming, you know, exactly. punch a clock every day, which nobody likes that. <laughs> right, right. But I think, you know, generally, I think it's small things. For most people, it's small things. It's caring about them personally. It's remembering a prior conversation. It's closing a loop on something that you committed and said that you'd do. Um, and oftentimes it can be um, even just, just kind of random acts of kindness or just doing the right thing, right? Yeah. So, so because at the end of the day, we all want to work for somebody that we trust and yeah. that we respect and that we think cares about us. Really, I mean, that's half the battle, right? Yeah. Having some fun at work, knowing that you're doing good work and that you're valued. And it's meaningful, yeah. 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 And so I've known you for a few years and I definitely yeah. think like you're no nonsense. You know your stuff. You're a hard worker, but you are also very warm. Oh, thanks. Yeah. And yeah, I think... Female leaders often get the stereotype of like bitch on wheels. Yeah. And, you know, you got to be hard and cold. And I love yeah. the school of thought of you where you, it, if that's authentic to you to be warm and kind, which, you know, yeah. just be nice. Right. <laughs> that's kind of a good leadership mantra. Yeah. But I think some women kind of shy away from that because it might indicate or signal weakness in some way. I agree. I agree. And I, I you know, one thing that, I, and this is, I give a lot of credit to my parents who, again, are psychologists. I, I give credit to them all the time. I don't think I, I knew that, but I love that. Yeah, <laughs> my mom, my dad, and my stepmom. Oh, wow. All three are. And so I, I got, I listened a lot. Yeah, I yeah. <laughs> I never, I never, um, I was put in timeout back then, but I was never grounded, you know, okay, so yeah, it's yeah. interesting. But, you know, one of the things that I really think the cues and the lessons I turned, I, I got from them was um, to figure out how to deliver any kind of message you need to kind of in the same tone of voice. So... Put more of your emphasis, and I think this is especially important for a woman based on how they can be seen, on the words that you're choosing, not 
the tone that you're taking. Okay, yeah. Because I think, especially with women, the more they change their tone, the higher pitch their voice gets, the more shrieky they get. And I think it comes off as arrogance, to the earlier point, yeah. rather than confidence. Yeah. And so whether, I mean, obviously, if I'm delivering good news, I there's more um, inflection in my tone. But if I'm delivering a tough message, it's almost always in the same tone of voice that I'm using now. And it's okay. more about the words and the phrasing that I'm really trying to make sure is appropriate to match the message that I'm delivering than raising my voice or fist pounding or you oh, know, yeah. anything else. Um, because I also think people will, you get more credit and people will take you seriously when you can just have a, a mature, honest conversation with yeah. people. And certainly if you feel like your message isn't landing, people aren't getting it. You can change the vocabulary that you're using to make sure that you're clearer, but you don't need to do that by raising your voice and some of those other things. So yeah. to your earlier point about women, I think sometimes that's the mistake that, that women make. And I even see it, um, given this is a political year, yeah. with some of the campaigning that goes on, right? And I find myself being a little off-put by some of the women candidates sometimes in a way I've that I'm not that, yeah. with the men. And I'm like, boy, what's going on in my mind? Yeah. And it is it is often, I think, the shrill uh, kind of like like your mom. When you like see you it, you know it. Yeah, 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 right. And nobody <laughs> so, wants to be talked to like that. No. Well, a couple of points there. So one, you <laughs> you indicated that you try something and it may not work and you have to try it again. All the time. Yeah. <laughs> and being okay with that is kind of sure. super important. Yeah. yeah I think we overanalyze, beat, it, beat ourselves up. and. Yeah. No, I'm a, I'm a lifelong learner and I try to I try to be reflective, you know, like to the point about the politics, like, you know, I can recognize, oh my gosh, I've got a bias here. There's something going on here as this candidate is talking, there's some, what's going yeah. on in my mind and what's triggering that. And I find that interesting, right? Because there's something for me to learn about myself there. And then likely something <coughs> for me to learn and apply to my conversation with others. Yeah. So you're at Levi's mm -hmm. two decades. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. And uh, you move even around to different functions. So yeah, yeah. say a little bit more about that and how you were able to do that, especially if you start out in supply chain, that's kind of your niche. Yeah. How do you go to customer service and then sales? And Yeah, so, you know, I'm a, by nature, I'm a pretty driven person and very kind of results goal oriented. Um, unfortunately, I think a little bit too much. So that's another, that's another Same, podcast. Same, girl. Probably. <laughs> Same. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, so once I became the DC manager, the distribution manager at Levi's at this facility we were talking about, and then took on two others. Um, I had young children at the time, two and four. Okay. Like Samantha and Brandon were. Um, but I was in a position at Levi's where um, I'd been there maybe 11 years and where I kind of felt like I'd done all I could do locally um, in the Cincinnati area. And I knew that either I needed to just change jobs and move in, into something else and probably probably for a job that was like for a company that was home officed in Cincinnati because I didn't just want to be a distribution manager somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was only 32 at the time, so I had a lot of runway left in my career. Or I thought, you know, I need to move to um, corporate with Levi's if I really want to continue working with this company. So my, my husband and I... Um, you know, struggled for a long time with what to do about that. And that's, there's a whole nother conversation there, sure, sure. trailing spouse and all that jazz, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> which we can get to later if you want. But ultimately after a lot of kind of consternation and offers um, from Levi's back and forth, um, I did decide that I'd move to their home office, which is in San Francisco, California. So 
big move. Yeah. So pack up the family, head west. Two and little ones. Yeah, that's, yeah. yes. Um, and a husband kind of leaving his career behind. And went to San Francisco to be the leader of customer service for them. And customer service is adjacent, I'd say, kind of functionally to distribution because distribution, you're serving the customer, you know, packing orders for the customer. I had been on some customer calls with sales where there were problems with their deliveries. And so from that aspect, had kind of seen the customer service um, part of things. But so, and, and I knew that I loved the leading people. I like the soft skills side of things, yeah. communication, problem solving. So it really And do you played... think that's your psychologist stuff? <laughs> it could be. It could be. Upbringing yeah. or, because a lot of people don't like it. And actually you triggered a thought. You said about having the tough conversations <clears throat> and yeah. as a leader, you, ca- you have to do it. I mean, sometimes my stomach will be sick. Oh, absolutely. Before. But I'm like, I got to, people yeah. have to know. Absolutely. Yeah. I, yeah. The same plant that we just talked about, I had to announce the closure of it. Um, oh, gosh. At one point in my career, yeah. we moved we moved eight miles down the street. And for a while, we thought we would keep both open. And then it became obvious that we needed to close one. And so I had to stand up in front of 700 people and announce that we were closing the facility. And so you better believe, yeah, it makes you sick. Yeah. Back to the point about the tonality. I mean, I think what you really, what I try to do whenever I have to have tough conversations is, Almost role play in my own head. Yeah, oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, right? my poor husband. Yeah, he gets yeah. it all the time. Yeah. I'm like, okay, you're this person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And what are they going to be thinking? And yeah. What's the message I want them to receive? And how do I say it in a way that I make sure it lands on them the the way I need it to? Yeah. Right. And so sometimes it's really dialing up the empathy to to figure out the right language where they receive the message, but in the way that you want them to hear it. But yeah, I mean. I don't love having difficult conversations, but I accept that it's a really important part of the job. And I do take pride in the fact that I think, I think I do it pretty well. And, um, I, some of these conversations are so delicate, like you need to treat people with care. Right. And so even though I don't enjoy doing it, I feel good at the end of the day that like I did the best I could with it. And I think you're leading from the front on that in that you're okay with realizing maybe the first time you did something that didn't work out well. Absolutely. And then if an employee knows that and they're getting feedback like, hey, maybe that wasn't your best performance, they kind of know that you're okay with that. Yeah. We're going to have a conversation and then we're going to move on. It's yeah. not going to kind of haunt you the rest Absolutely of your... Yeah, yeah. Right. And like if it's a performance conversation, chances are I'm willing to help. I mean, I, yeah. I can't carry the load for you, but... Like, let's, let's really, okay, so here's the message. Things aren't working out. Let's really quickly shift to what can we do about it? Yeah. Right? And then if, if you get later on down in life, you get to a point where it's still not going to work out. You know, if you've been true to yourself and true to them, you've had that conversation multiple times. And it's not a so surprise. It's the last yeah. chapter in a long book. Yeah. Right. I and agree. So I think, again, treating people with care and the way you'd want to be treated, it it's... It's bringing, it's being on the journey with them, if that makes sense. Yeah. And then um, it doesn't make the conversation easy, but no. in your heart, um, you're not the bad, you're not the bad guy. You really right. feel like you've done what you needed to do and what you could do. And sometimes when I take on a new team and I come with that sort of approach, people are kind of like, whoa, yeah. <laughs> who is this person? Why does she care so much? Like, right. what? yeah. So they're almost a little this. taken aback. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. it takes a lot of time. Yeah. Right. And I think... Um, if you if you're going to be a people leader, you really need to enjoy that and, yeah. and enjoy mentoring and coaching and developing people. And if and that needs to be the number one test. If you don't enjoy those things, you have no business being a people leader. I don't care whether it's working for an insurance company, building yeah. jeans, mining salt, 
And that's fine. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Is if you know that, I would step away from it. Yeah. 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 But I think a lot of people are subject matter expert in one thing, then they get moved up because of that. And then right. leadership's yeah. a whole nother ballgame. I ball completely game, so. agree. Yeah. yeah. We value the wrong things. Yeah. Okay. So you're in San Francisco. Yeah. So went in San Francisco, <laughs> led the customer service team. That was fun. Um, enjoyed that. I, I do get bored easily and like usually yeah. like two and a half years in a job. I'm like, oh, let's do something different. So um, it just kind of morphed over time into different roles. It eventually I, I took on part of the sales organization with customer service, all the really small little kind of um, cheeky boutique shops. Yeah. Um, they call that multi-brand sales. And then that led me to a career in sales with Levi's. So I led the men's and boys um, team for okay. a bar- large portion of their their sales business and did that in San Francisco. Um, later, um, made the decision that I needed to come back to the Midwest to be closer to my family and my then husband's family and um, went through some some troubling times there with my mom, which I'm happy to share um, in a later question if you want. Sure, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, that led me back here. And so I had an honest conversation with the president of the Levi's brand and said, here's my situation. Um, I want to go back. And so um, they created a job for me, a sales leadership job here in Chicago in the Schaumburg area. Yeah. I had what was then Sears, Carson Prairie Scott, Coles. Um, a <laughs> the bunch brands of, of my youth. Yeah, yes. right, exactly, <laughs> yeah. And um, that well, kudos to them yeah, for taking care of you in that you. way. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so then that brought me back to Chicago. Yeah. So that's how we got here. Okay. So, um, so yeah, went from operations to customer service to sales. Um, found myself back in a position with Levi's where I had about twenty years left in my career that I thought I was probably going to be working, and I was kind of in the top job. Yeah. Uh, in my function in Chicago. And I thought, oh, I can't do this for another 20 years. I'm going to drive myself crazy. Yeah. Like it's I hard can... to be away from the headquarters. Yeah. yeah. And and so so um, I, again, did some soul searching with the help of a coach, actually, um, who didn't intend to bring this to life, but it came out. And I decided, you know, I need to leave. I need to leave probably the fashion industry because those are home office on the coasts. I really didn't yeah. want to live in New York, L.A., or San Francisco. And I probably, if I want to stay here, I need to move into kind of a CPG business. And so I took a lateral move um, here to Morton Salt in customer service. Okay. And then took the same track that I had at Levi's and moved into sales. Okay. <laughs> and then I ended up in operations and I took this role as the VP of operations about two and a half years ago. Wow. Has it been that long? And we've known each other for quite a while. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we have. It's and so great. you mentioned a coach. So this is interesting because this is yes. something, my own stubbornness, I always <clears throat> thought, well, I don't need a coach. Oh. And then I got one and it like completely changed my world and yeah. the way I looked at things. And I was like, this is what it's like to talk to somebody about something that's kind of bugging me, <laughs> aside from you know, family members and yeah, things. Yeah. And it, it did wonders for me. So can you say a little bit more about that and it's, yeah. you know, so what it did? I've had two executive coaches throughout my career. The first one was with Levi's. Her name is Anna. She's one of my Facebook friends uh, today. <laughs> Hi, <And> Anna. <laughs> Anna was given to me um, as a coach when I was going through a leadership um, program with Levi's where they put their top, I want to say 20 leaders that they felt um, had potential in the company. This is back when I lived in San Francisco with them, kind of through an express leadership program, including, you know, you've seen these kind of rotational programs um, to see if you could be a country manager or take on a really large part of the function. And so uh, 
it was called their lead program and I was part of the lead program. And with that, you get a coach. And so Anna was my coach and we did a lot of things, but really more than anything, she helped me. I remember one thing she had me do was kind of write down a timeline of my life with key milestones, highs and lows. Sure. Um, and throughout my lifetime, and you see this kind of, you reflect on this journey that you've been through and what are the, what are the pivotal points in your life, highs and lows, that have changed you as a person and how have they changed you? Yeah, I'm going home and doing that, by the way. It's awesome. It <laughs> yeah. was really awesome. I mean, because for me, it was when my parents got divorced, when I was in the third grade, what did that, how did that change me? Um, I've now gone through a divorce. How did that change me? The birth of my children, like all these things. And it's just really great. Yeah. But then the other thing she really taught me to 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 do was to, Think about what I like and what I don't like in roles, what I shy away from and I'm afraid of. Okay. Um, and what I just won't go near <laughs> as a person. Like, what are the things that I just have zero interest in? So for me, it's finance. Like, oh my gosh, no same. Way. And I find myself in these roles that are focused on, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah. how does this happen to me if I see another spreadsheet? <laughs> yeah. I actually like data, but something right. about the finance. I, yeah. Yeah. Like, That's to funny. be a CFO, absolutely never. No, no never. Way. No. So, um, <laughs> I mean, I can read a PL. Right, can, right. Yeah. Yeah. Run a budget and all that. But so, anyway, but then she had me start thinking forward, like, of the end of your life, whenever you think that might be. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Until today. So, you kind of work. From the both ends to the middle. Yeah. So at the very end of your life, and again, it sounds cliche because people will say, what do you want to be remembered by? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You but, start to think about legacy. Yeah, yeah. But a little bit more literally, how do you want to be remembered? Yeah. And how at the time that you have grandkids, what kind of grand, or do you want to be a grandparent? What kind of grandparent do you want to be? Yeah. What kind of neighbor do you want to be? What kind of retiree do you want to be? And you kind of work your way back to center. And as she and I did that, um, and she she later told me this happens on occasion. It became obvious to me I needed to leave the company. Oh wow! Yeah. <laughs> so here's a coach that Levi's has paid for me. To oh gosh! Have yeah. And spent all this time with only for me to realize, you know, I I was that I was trying to, um, kind of quiet this energy that I had inside of me to be just a career person. Yeah. Right? And just to be. Don't be so results focused. Don't be so pushy with your career. Just can you just quiet yourself and be happy where you are and be comfortable? <laughs> and I kept trying to kind of <laughs> squash that. It doesn't and, work. No, <laughs> and I was also also at the same time because I was feeling this guilt because I was feeling this guilt about wow, here I am in Chicago. I'm in a great job. This is a great yeah. They company. made a role for me it. here. They did yeah. all this stuff. I'm, I, they did everything that I asked for, and I still. And say I'm unhappy. That was that would be extreme, but I was not satisfied with yeah. my life. And so, um, anyway, so I mean, ultimately, it kind of brought me to the point where it became obvious to me that I needed to leave the company. That I needed to find a company where I could be in their home office, yeah, and continue to progress my career at a at a pace that I wanted and that I could handle. <clears throat> and that certainly worked with my personal life. Sure. Um, but that I, I needed to leave this company that I absolutely loved and a job that I was perfectly happy with. Yeah, interesting. And so did you have sites mm. on CEO or C-suite? I mean, sometimes I'm, yeah. I'm hesitant to verbalize those things, but then I, <laughs> like, I'm kidding myself. Yeah. If that's not really what I, you know. <laughs> it's funny. You know, and I, I mean, I think I can say this with all honesty. I've never, I have been someone that's always thought about what are the, what's the kind of job I want mm -hmm. less than... Like what's the name of the title? Yeah. I mean, or the, so even today, I, 
Um, I, CEO doesn't appeal to me. I mean, I doesn't mean that I wouldn't be a CEO, but what I really want is I want to lead a team of people that I can build and that I have trust and respect for and has trust and respect for me and do great things. I want to be successful with sure. them. And I don't know. So I didn't necessarily say I wanted to be CEO of a company at a certain age or be a VP at a certain age. Sure. I've always been kind of patient with that part of it. And it's probably not great advice, but I've always kind of <laughs> assumed that with the hard work it would come. Yeah. And in my case it did. Yeah. Um, so I never went in asking for a title, but I did go in asking for the experience. Okay. You know, I like that. Yeah. yeah. And I think that is not to feel like I'm beating up on women here, but they have a difficult time asking for what they want. Yeah. 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 And I do think sometimes people will pigeonhole and I give my, this guidance to my team all the time. They will pigeonhole themselves into thinking, I want that job. And yeah. well, you know what? That job might not exist next year or it happened to me multiple times. They may be willing to there may be a vacancy in the organization where they need to create a job that they don't even recognize, quite frankly. So if you sure. can frame up what you want in terms of what it looks like or what aspects of it you like, um, and quite frankly, what you're not so great at and what you need. So in my case, when uh, my then boss, Christian, um, took me to lunch and talked to me about this role, um, we had had a conversation before that. It was because of Women's Unlimited. Yeah, I yeah. was in the lead program. And... Um, I had, you know, doing this interview with him and he said, well, what do you want to do next? And I said, I want to, I want to lead the operations team. And he didn't even know I had operations experience. So we got into, and he's like, well, why? And so I talked about the aspects of leading or going back in operations and leading the team. I didn't ask for the VP of operations role. There was someone in that role. Sure, sure. But I wanted to plant the seed that this is the kind of job that I want. Um, and it was through that that it kind of opened the conversation to later this role. Okay. So so I didn't realize. So you went through Women Unlimited while you were at Morton. I did. Okay. I went through the New York program. Oh, New York. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. The few. Oh, okay. I call it lead, but it was the few. Yeah, the few. Yeah. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I, I've heard about that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I did. And that's the second coach, actually, that I've had. The executive coach is through the few. Okay. Okay. Very yeah. nice. Yeah. And yeah. so when you take on a new team, we've talked a lot about kind of your leadership style. I mean, today you're leading a, a small country, 2,600 people. I could not even imagine. And, yeah. and going from, you know, your days where you actually know everybody on the line. I mean, you almost can't possibly do that. No. no, no yeah. So yeah, unfortunately not. when you step into something like that, how, how do you approach it and, and then kind of have the same warmth and style, leadership style that you've had to, to date? Yeah, you know, it's well, here it's been really interesting because um, the mining industry is a very technical industry and it's... Um, we have more engineers as a percentage of the total population than I'm used to okay. in any of the other manufacturing teams that I've worked in. And um, not to stereotype, but there there are definitely some, I, I'd say, some aspects to these people that are different. They're quieter sure. in nature, not yeah. as extroverted, um, more very opposite of me, quite frankly. They provide a lot of balance to Yeah, me. <laughs> that's good, yeah. So, <laughs> so in one way, yeah, so, so, so the warmth still exists, but the enthusiasm is a little bit muted because I think I came off a little scary, right? <laughs> and a little bit like too much like a cheerleader. Okay. <laughs> and so I had to dial that back and kind of change my style a little bit to 
to, to again, meet them a little bit closer to the middle. Okay. But the warmth part, um, I for one thing, I think it's just kind of who I am, who yeah. you are, right? Yeah. So I just really have an interest in getting to know people. And I feel like you can't possibly have honest conversations and do good work with people if you don't know them first. Right. Now, clearly, I don't know all 2,600 people. Some of them speak languages like Portuguese that I know nothing yeah. of. And, and that's my latest challenge is trying to figure out how to connect with people that I can't easily communicate with. Sure. Um, but other than that, it is really, I was just at one of our plants the past two days in uh, the outskirts of Rochester, New York, and I don't know, there's 150 folks at those that plant. I know maybe 25 of them by name, but, you know, it is really common courtesy. It's when you're out on the floor shaking a hand and saying thank you and sure. asking about the person, asking when, I, I just walked up to someone and said, boy, I noticed you did such and such, and you did such a great job. I want to thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think most of the time, I don't know that people know what job I have when I want. They know I'm a guest at the plant. Yeah. But, um, and maybe they know, I don't know. But it's not like it's something that I lead with, right? Right, right. Um, so I really just think it's human, human nature to get to know people. And other than that, it's really making sure that the leadership team beneath you are people that you're, that you trust and that you're comfortable with, um, kind of representing you. Yeah. It doesn't mean I need them to be like me at all, right. or not like me. But I think at the core, the heart of who they are, they need to be trustworthy. Are they going to treat people with dignity and respect? Kind of the core tenets of who I am. I need to be certain that they uh, have a likeness and an affinity to that for themselves. And so when I took on this role, the first thing really I started to do was assess the leadership team that I had. Um, and unfortunately, we made a lot of changes in okay. the general manager, plant manager ranks um, for folks that just didn't, quite frankly, meet my standards. And okay. I think the standards of the company, um, we, you know, when you lead a team of people, whether it's five or 500, you have a, I, in my personal opinion, you have a responsibility um, to treat them right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and to be a great leader. And that doesn't just mean being nice. It also means being able to follow them to, to or lead them to be successful. Yeah. And if ultimately, if you don't have a team of people in operations that's capable of doing that, you're letting down everybody beneath them. Yeah. And, and that is a reflection on me. And then that's going to start to affect product and yeah. customers yeah, and, morale and, and everything else. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Okay. So, sounds simple. Yeah. And even on your LinkedIn profile, you have that you develop high potential managers into world-class leaders that achieve results. I love that. Yeah. So you thanks. do spend a lot of time, a lot of your time on development of people. I really do. I, I mean, I spend most of my time on people. Okay. I, I would say in any given day, 60, 70% of my time is either talking um, about people problems that we need sure. to fix or coaching and mentoring people one-on-ones with my team. Um, communicating, sharing information with people. I mean, it really, uh, you know, in the mining industry, again, it's very capital intensive. So we have a lot of heavy equipment, but the equipment is the easy part. It right, runs, right. right? And it can be fixed. And yeah, you know, it's the people that run the equipment are the tricky part. Sure. Right. And so um, they're and the it's variable. It's probably a tough job. And yeah. 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 And so they're the variable. Dangerous really, at times. Absolutely. Yeah. And they're the ones that, you know, you need to keep motivated and inspired and, they need to understand why what they're doing matters and all yeah. of that. So, yeah, I would say any given day, the vast majority of my time is something to do with people. Okay. Yeah. And I took a look on the Morton website. You actually have a very diverse 
leadership team. Yeah. So we do. Bravo on that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's Gender, recent. Yeah. Ethnicity. Yeah. I'd say within the past four years, that's okay. really um, transformed. So we do. It's really cool. Yeah. It's yeah. really cool. Yeah. yeah. And so can you say a little bit about the culture of the organization? Yeah. And what I, that brings? Yeah. So, you know, we're a company that's um, obviously an iconic brand, yeah, um, yeah. much like Levi's is. And we've been here in Chicago for over 150 years. That's crazy. <clears throat> the girl herself, the little logo is over 100 years old. Wow. Um, and so, you know, on the one hand, we're an old, really well established company in a very old business, the mining business, right? Yeah. On the other hand, we're a CPG company that... Um, has a really broad, diverse customer base because we sell not only to grocery stores and Home Depot with water softening salt and culinary salts, but we also sell bulk de-icing, so the salt that's put on your roads to keep you safe in the yeah. middle of a winter storm. So we we sell to the government and the municipalities. Um, so we have a diverse customer profile, and I think um, that's one reason that we, even though we're this old, kind of could be seen as a stodgy company, sure, sure. we needed to really contemporize ourselves and we recognize that. And so over the past eight years that I've been with the company, I've seen the company take great lengths and everything from the diversity of the people that work for us um, and the inclusion programs for them, as well as the campaigns that we've got, the marketing that we've got, the products that we've got. So kind of soup to nuts. We've been really working on that. But for the people piece in particular, yeah, I'm really proud that the leader of operations, the leader of HR, the leader of the supply chain, our chief marketing officer, really more women probably in the C-suite than there are men, Yeah, um, quite frankly. And we have people of color. I mean, really a lot of backgrounds. And yeah. it definitely makes the dialogue richer. I mean, I think there's... There's no question. I, I I mean, some people may not experience it, but I experience it firsthand. The more that you can surround yourself with people not like yourself, just the bigger thinker yeah. you can be. Totally. And in a group of 26, 2,700 employees that work for um, the operations team, gosh, there's people of more backgrounds than I could possibly imagine. Yeah. And so I need to surround myself with my own leadership team and operations with a diverse group so that we can make sure that we do the best job of possible of, of making sure that we're representing their interests yeah. and their understanding. Well, great. So I feel like I could talk about leadership and business all day, but yeah. you did touch on a couple personal <laughs> things, and I want to go back to that Sure. since you brought it up. <laughs> and if you're okay with it. Open book. Sure. Okay, 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 that's good. Um, so you talked a little bit about the trailing spouse. Yeah. 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 So say a little bit more about that. Yeah, so um, I'm divorced now, but my ex-husband's name is And so um, and I... Um, owned a family furniture store, still does, in Cincinnati. And so when I worked for Levi's as a distribution manager all that time in Cincinnati, we had this business that um, he was building um, with other members of his family. And so as uh, we were getting pressure to move uh, to a variety of places for Levi's, that was always a big challenge, not because he was leaving his career behind, but it was also this family business. Yeah. So it was a big, big challenge and really hard. And so it was with a lot of soul searching, quite frankly, um, that uh, ultimately uh, he was just extremely kind to um, make the decision on behalf of the family that we put, kind of put my career first. Yeah. And we did it in the move to San Francisco and kind of um, at, at the time struck an agreement that he would come back to uh, Cincinnati, um, like we just put requirements on how frequent he would go back, how the business would be managed in his absence because we didn't want to not be a part of it, what things he would do remotely. 
And we also, I think, in retrospect, recognize what a great change for the family it was because our kids were young enough that he was really able to spend a lot of time with them. Yeah. But the trailing spouse was hard. I carried a lot of guilt. Uh, he was, I think, exceedingly kind about it. It was harder on him than I suspect I even realized at sure. the time. Um, the I guilt think, that we impose on ourselves, too. Yeah, yeah. I think so. <laughs> I think so. And, and the, the things that we think society is saying to us right. that are really just, like, probably tapes that we're playing in our own head. Yes. Um, and so I don't want to speak for... But for me... Um, it, I, I felt incredibly selfish, you know, and, um, all I know to do being a product of psychologists is talk about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I do think that we all need to recognize the things that we tell ourselves to be true versus the things that really are true. And back to the original point of, well, how do you feel about not everybody liking you? Yeah. Yeah. You do need to kind of have some thick skin. And again, it's, I think it's a bit of a balance of, I want to be confident without being arrogant, so I don't want to be completely selfish here. But I think you need to make those decisions as a family, and every family is different and has sure. their own set of circumstances. But yeah, it was it was a <laughs> it was a diff very difficult decision, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, for us for sure. Yeah. <coughs> Sorry. No, that's okay. But, <laughs> I feel bad. Uh, no, I should have yeah. brought mints. <laughs> oh no, it's okay. Um, it was a difficult decision for us, but. Um, retrospectively, I think it paid off and it was the right one for us. But yeah, all I to really, separate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think all I really know to do and when you're in the moment about the trailing spouse is, is to just encourage people to have open conversations about it and not try to kind of shove your feelings aside, whether yeah. the feelings or the guilt or the feelings or resentment that you're not doing something or, and, um, you know, work together as a team. Yeah. Uh, on that. Nowadays, I do think it's getting a little bit better. I think people can work remotely and yeah, companies are a lot more flexible. So, and I also think society, you know, this was 20 years ago, right. is more accepting of the female, you know, the male being the trailing spouse. I just hired someone on my team who's a trailing spouse and he's been following his wife and her career in recent years. And yeah. boy, when I heard his story, I'm like, my eyes lit up. I thought, this is like how great. And yeah. he was totally fine with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To put it out there, like to explain his resume. And I thought, yeah. how neat that like as society, we've come full circle into a place where like, that's a good, that's a good thing. It's a cool thing. Yeah. Right? I actually did, wasn't familiar with that term trailing spouse. Oh, so yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a thing though. Yeah. Yeah. yeah women unlimited. Yeah. 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 And I think that is the case a lot today I where the women so. are taking the lead. They're breadwinner. Yeah. Traveling more away from the home more. And yeah. You know, I tell my husband he gets to do laundry. He loves doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think it's good that I think at least um, over time, I think people don't need to be feeling so much like they can quiet the voice in their head about what society thinks they should be doing. Yeah. And yeah. do what's right for your family to do. Right. Yeah. Um, and there I think it, it's just, it's very dependent on the individual situation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that. It's yeah, a personal story. And that sure. is a question. I get questions a lot about leadership. For women, which we covered a lot, but then yeah. also about work-life balance, which I have no answers for. But <laughs> yeah, you and I have talked about that one. I, I, you know, I think the simple answer to that is it's about your priorities. Yeah, and and it's about also putting boundaries around. Um, again, you know, it's so funny. I, it sounds so simple, but I, in my mind, it kind of is simple. Like all controversial conversations or controversial decisions, personal life balance being one, really, they just require open dialogue. So yeah. If 
if I find myself in a situation where I'm unhappy at work because I'm working too much or there's something at home that's not getting done or some need that I have that's not getting met, I don't know. I've just always found myself to be in a situation where my boss, where I would just talk about it. Yeah. And I've, I can't think of a time where I've been shut down and then my boss has said, too bad, I don't care. Right, right. Like, get out. <laughs> and they're not also a mind reader, so that you yeah. have to tell them. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I, th I think you need to be reasonable. Like, you know, people expect a full day's work for a full right. day's pay. Right. So um, I can't say I need to leave at noon every day. But um, I'm, I've, I've completed two Ironmans. And when I do an Ironman, it's about 20 hours worth of working out a week. So it's like a part-time job. And before entering into it both times... Um, I had two different managers at the Iron time. Iron woman, by the way. Yeah, yes, thank yes. you. Yeah. <laughs> I had um, discussions with my man the then manager both time, and I yeah. said, you know, this is something I really want to do. The first time I was doing it, I said, I'm not even really sure that I can, and I'm not sure what it's going to take. Right. Not to be a doubter, but, like, I am a confident person, but I'm also realistic. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> This yeah. is ridiculous. And... Um, but I commit to you, I, you know, I will continue to work as hard as I work today, but I need to work from home every other Friday because I need to jump in a lake and swim with a group of people to get ready to swim oh two goodness. and a half miles. Yeah. And I, they take off at six and they'll be done at seven. So I'll be at my home desk at 730 ready right. to work. Um, but, you know, so it, and we just kind of talked out loud about here's like, this is kind of like a fire that's burning inside me. And yeah. Not to say that I can't quiet and walk away if this is a big deal for right. the company. I will. But could we find a way to make this work? Like, here's what it would take. And I really, in both cases, they said, holy cow, what an ambitious goal. You're right. You're going to nail it. Go do it. Wow. And yeah. So that's just one example. Yeah. But I think, you know, whatever the personal, um, professional balance tug of war is, I just think talking it out has got to be the place where you start. Yeah, I see you being a psychologist in a few years. <laughs> right, right. You can't help it. Yeah, I know. Well, I think we'll end the conversation there, but I really appreciate all the time and insights and personal oh. stories. It's fantastic, and I think it's going to impact women, you know, in all different oh, my pleasure. levels of their career today. So appreciate it. My pleasure. It. Thank all right. you. Thank you. That's the end of our show, Victors. Thank you so much for listening. If you felt any benefit from this show, please let us know, give it a subscribe and share with somebody else that you think might benefit. And don't forget to follow me at Dr. Karen Bartuch on Instagram. And you can check out IamDavidaJane.com for all of the services that I offer, such as coaching, workshops, and speaking. And that's D-A-V-I-D-A-J-A-N-E, IamDavidaJane.com. And remember, the bad guy is looking for a victim, not an opponent. Victorization is yours.